Alright, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So, we'll continue with our series on joy. If you remember, last week we spoke about the joy of asceticism, right? When Archangel Gabriel announced the birth of St. John the Baptist to Zacharias. And uh, we spoke about how John lived an ascetic life, right? It wasn't this dark and gloomy path, but it was actually filled with joy, right? And that's what asceticism is all about. It's about joy, it's about freedom, it's about liberty, and it's about experiencing that relationship with God without the, the weight of the, the flesh really binding us and crippling us. And then just to kind of summarize that whole concept, if you weren't here last week, uh, there's a, a beautiful quote by St. Paisius. He says, The most blessed of all people are those who exhibited the greatest repentance with pain and inner contrition, and in this way, extinguished the proud enemy. They humbled their unruly flesh with asceticism, subdued it to the Spirit, and granted the greatest joy to heaven. They granted the greatest joy to heaven with their repentance and their return to God. Right? So, when we work and we labor in ascetical life, when we fast, with prostrations, when we really live that life of discipline, is when we increase in joy. Right, so today, we find an unusual place to encounter joy. Right? And that's in the obscurities of life, in the unknown, in the darkness. Okay? And we saw how there's this uh, dialogue between Archangel Gabriel and St. Mary. Right? And St. Mary, she lived a, a, a joyful life. She lived a life full of joy, but... Ironically, it was a life of uncertainties, a life of obscurities, right? It was a, a walk of faith, right? It's not like she knew every next step in her whole path, right? So when she heard the news from Archangel Gabriel, we see in Luke 1, verse 34 and 35, Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I don't know a man? And she's like wondering, like, explain this to me. Like, I don't know, man. Like, how am I just going to give birth to the Savior? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Alright, so, if you're asking for an explanation, and you get this, I really doubt you're going to walk away with uh, this sense of clarity. <laughs> It's not like this really explained to St. Mary what's going to happen. Like, I'm pretty sure she was just as uncertain about this whole path after Archangel Gabriel told her these words. Right? It's not like it really explained to her how she's going to give birth to the Savior. It's not like it explained to her what this process is going to look like or what to expect. Right? She probably walked away in the same sense of obscurity. It's not like, oh, okay, I get it. it makes perfect sense. You know, the Holy Spirit is going to do something. Right? It's important to recognize that because St. Mary didn't enjoy this special sense of clarity and like this extra sense of explanations from God. She didn't enjoy all of these special privileges and God explaining to her exactly what's going to happen in the next step and the way we typically expect. Like we expect St. Mary had all these special privileges. 
that God must have explained this and told her what to expect here and how this is going to work and, and all that. But that's not the case, right? As a matter of fact, you see in Archangel Gabriel's explanation, it, it's quite obscure, right? And, you know, after she gives birth and... Eight days later, she walks into the temple to fulfill the custom of the law for the circumcision of Christ. She meets Simeon the elder, and he tells her this, this scary prophecy that a sword will pierce through your own soul. Right? And it's not like that's comforting, because it's like, well, <laughs> I thought this was going to be a, like a pleasant experience. Right? Like, it probably scared her. It probably confused her. Right? So for St. Mary... She really was walking an obscure path. She was walking through the darkness. She was walking through the unknown. Right? And she carried this sense of uncertainty and all of these ambiguities with real joy. Right? You wouldn't know that she's actually uncertain about what the next step will will look like. Because everything about St. Mary's life was full of joy. In the gospel passage we read today, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For his regard to the lowly state of his maidservant, for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. So this was what her heart was all about. Deep down inside, she was full of joy, even though she really was walking this path of obscurity. That She was walking into the unknown. Right? No explanations, no special privilege in knowing exactly what to expect. Right? So what was the secret to this joy? What was the secret? It was her faith. And she embraced the ambiguities of this new path. Dr. Rossi says, When we begin to embrace ambiguity, we become less rigid, less black and white in our thinking. We become softer. We become more kind. Right? And that's what happens when we just embrace the unknown. We embrace the ambiguities and the obscurities and the darkness of our life. Right? When we're in darkness, we have no choice but to surrender. Right? We surrender all control, all control and we just enjoy God's presence. Right? We enjoy His guidance. It's almost like that's the inevitable because we really have no sense of direction. Right? We're lost. We're in this dark place. We don't know where to go. So it's even easier to just surrender. Because faith is more necessary at that time than ever before. Right? St. Mary is this perfect example of surrender. Of just a complete leap of faith. Whenever she heard this news, she said, Let it be to me according to your word. And that was it. To her, that was the inevitable path. I'm just going to walk this path of darkness with faith. I'm not going to question. Even though it's not like this explanation like really clarified what to expect. But she said, you know, may not get it. But faith is all the more necessary now. Right? It's even more necessary to surrender than ever before. John Pierre de Cassad says, Her spirit, moved by joy looked upon all that she had to do or to suffer at each moment as the gift of Him who fills with good things the hearts of those who hunger and thirst for Him alone. 
She even considered this a gift from God. Right? And that's why she was full of joy. There's a beautiful saint that many of you know about, Mother Teresa. There's a book called Come Be My Light, which is basically like a compilation of her letters. Okay? In this book, Come Be My Light, she talks a lot about the darkness of her life. Right? A lot of people don't really know that Mother Teresa walked through a lot of darkness. Because on the surface, all you saw was joy. Right? You sensed that she was filled with joy. You sensed that she understood what the spiritual path is all about. You sensed that she knew how to serve and what to do and what to expect next. Right? But deep down inside, Mother Teresa actually lived for countless years in complete darkness. Like feeling totally alone. Feeling no sense of God's consolation. And so I just want to share with you some of her thoughts from these letters and a few lessons we can learn from her life because I think we can all relate. Whenever we're going through this phase in our life and we don't know what's coming next, we don't have any explanations, we don't know which way to go, we can't sense God's presence, we don't feel that comfort or that consolation, and it's very stressful, it's very difficult, right? And so Mother Teresa is a very good model for us during these struggles. Right? She wrote this to her spiritual father in one of these letters. She said, If I ever become a saint, I'll surely be one of darkness. I'll continually be absent from heaven to light the light of those in darkness on earth. This is how she considered herself. She also wrote this to her spiritual father. She said, Now, father, since 49 or 50 this terrible sense of loss, this untold darkness, this loneliness, this continual longing for God, which gives me the deep pain down in my heart. Darkness in such that I really do not see, neither with my mind nor with my reason. The place of God in my soul is blank. There is no God in me. When the pain of longing is so great, I just long and long for God, and then it is that I feel that He doesn't want me. He's not there. God doesn't want me. Sometimes I just hear my own heart cry out, My God, and nothing else comes. The torture and pain I can't explain. So this is just a taste of what she endured and what she experienced during that phase in her life. Right? But... She was mysteriously filled with joy, right? If you ever see clips of Mother Teresa, she has this beautiful, gentle smile on her face, right? And you can sense how that joy is radiating from her, right? It's not like she's faking it. Deep down inside, she really is joyful, and you wonder how. Especially during like, the vast majority of her life where she was walking through this darkness, where... Like the pain of these obscurities and walking through the unknown and all of that heavy burden is really challenging. Father Brian Kolodechuk, who's the, the priest that was compiling these letters in the book, Come Be My Light, he describes this mystery and he says, challenges didn't dishearten Mother Teresa. On the contrary, she impressed those around her by her cheerful disposition. It was a conscious choice. 
She wanted to keep on smiling instead of everything and to give our Lord always everything with a cheerful smile. Overlooking her pain, she chose to spread joy, confirming the resolve of her youth to drink the chalice to the last drop. So she was committed to live a joyful life, right? even though it really was a serious struggle, even though deep down inside she felt lost, even though deep down inside she didn't know what's coming next. She didn't even sense God's presence. But again, she was filled with joy. She wrote this to her spiritual father. She says, I want to be a saint according to his heart, meek and humble. Therefore, at these two virtues of Jesus, I'll try my best. My second resolution is to become an apostle of joy. To become an apostle of joy. To console the sacred heart of Jesus through joy. Please ask Our Lady to give me her heart so that I may with greater ease fulfill His desire in me. I want to smile even at Jesus and so hide if possible the pain and the darkness of my soul even from Him. This is how intentional she was in pursuing a life of joy. She says, I want to hide even if possible that pain and the darkness from Christ. Because to her, all that mattered is reflecting the joy of Christ. Right? All that mattered is, is serving with cheer, serving with that grace. Right? Father Brian says, Although this intense and ongoing spiritual agony could have made her despondent, like it could have really dis- depressed her, she instead radiated remarkable joy and love. She was truly a witness of hope, an apostle of love and joy, because she had built the edifice of her life on pure faith. And that's the secret, that she built the edifice of her life on pure faith. If we don't have faith, and we experience that darkness, we experience the obscurities of life, when we're walking through the unknown, then we expect nothing but anxieties and doubts and real despair. Without faith, there's Nothing but despair. If faith exists, then there's nothing but joy. And this was Mother Teresa's secret. This was the only way, because like her darkness was real, right? It's not like she just had a bad day and she didn't really sense God's presence one day or two days. No, it was like a serious dark period in her life for several years, right? And, and you got to wonder how she lived with that joy. And her secret was that faith, right? In the obscurities and the darkness of our life, faith is even more necessary. Faith is even more necessary. John Pierre de Cassade says, the less there is to see, the more there is to believe. The less there is to see, the more there is to believe. <coughs> Faith is necessitated all the more in the darkness. And because faith is even more necessary as that faith grows, because we have nothing else to rely on but faith, then our joy really comes to life. Because we're not walking by sight, we're walking by faith. We're depending on Christ. 
right? The darkness when there's nothing for us to see left Mother Teresa with no choice but to just surrender, right? She, she just relaxed in God's hands. And, and that's what we're called to do. Right? And a lot of times, God removes His grace from us on purpose. So that as we're walking through this darkness, we learn to just walk by faith. Because the faithful walk is the joyful walk. Right? And that's why we experience those obscurities in our life. When we don't really have a clear sense of direction. And God is actually nudging us to just take a leap of faith and to just depend on Him. Mother Teresa wrote, To surrender means to offer Him my free will and my reason, such as my, my own light to be guided by God's word and pure faith. My soul may be in darkness, but I know that darkness, trial, and suffering are the surest test of my blind surrender. We become worthy of possessing Him when we abandon ourselves completely to Him. Right? So, think about when you have no idea how to drive to a certain place. Right? You don't try to like really think about which way to go, and like you're not really stressed about whether you're going to go this road or take this turn or whatever. You just put it in a navigation, you really have no idea where to go. <laughs> Put in a navigation and you just follow it and you relax. Right? You're not really stressed about the way to navigate through this whole journey. Right? When we're in complete darkness, we just use our navigation system and we can sit back and relax. Right? But stress and despair comes when we think we know where we're going and then, you know, we're trying to figure it out and we're not really surrendering to the inevitable reality of our limitations and, and to just admit that we really don't know, right? That we don't have it all made, that we don't have all the answers. Right? And so we just use our navigation system, and, and that's our faith. Right? And once we put an address in the navigation system or in your phone or whatever, you just follow it, you don't think twice about it, you don't stress, you're just at peace, Right? For Mother Teresa, God's love was just as real in the darkness as in any other time of her life. And that's why even if she didn't feel Him, if she didn't feel His presence, she trusted Him and joyfully surrendered to Him. She wrote, Let Him do with me whatever He wants, as He wants, for as long as He wants. She said, My life is in His hands. He can do with me whatever He wants. She was sold into his hands. Father Brian wrote this, uh, about this mindset that she always had. These words express the degree of her surrender to God. A conversation she had makes explicit the reason for such a response. And This is what Mother Teresa said. Once a nun told me that she was surprised at my surrender to God because she was afraid to give God her fingers lest He take away her hand. I'm not afraid of the one who's in love, who loves me in such a way as to die for me. And so she never lost sight of God's love, even in the darkness. A lot of people just doubt God's love. If I give Him a little, then you know, I might lose even more. <laughs> to her, love is not dependent on our condition. 
right? If we're in darkness, God's love doesn't diminish. Like if we don't have the answers, God's love doesn't disappear. Sure, we don't have the clarity of which way to go. But God's love is just as real, right? And that's what fueled her. That's what kept her faith alive. And that's why she was always full of joy. And so she struggled with this for years. Eventually, she actually learned to love the darkness, right? She learned to love this sense of God's absence, she really did love the darkness. She said, if I ever become a saint, I'll become a saint of darkness. Right? This is what she told her spiritual father. Dear father, I can't express in words the gratitude I owe you for your kindness to me. For the first time in this 11 years, this is just a small period that she experienced this darkness. For the first time in 11 years, I've come to love the darkness. For I believe now that it's a part, a very, very small part of Jesus' darkness and pain on earth. You've taught me to accept it as a spiritual side of your work as you wrote. Today, really, I felt a deep joy that Jesus can't go anymore through the agony, but that he wants to go through it in me. More than ever, I surrender myself to him. Yes, more than ever, I'll be at his disposal. And so she learned to embrace and, and cherish and love the darkness. Why? Because in that darkness, she entered into the abandonment of Christ. Right? Just as Christ on the cross cried out, Aloy, Aloy, lama sabatani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God was abandoned. He actually experienced the darkness of our humanity. Right? And in her darkness, she found Christ. In her darkness, she confided in the darkness of Christ. And that became the source of her joy. When we're in darkness, when we're in the obscurities of life, when we don't know which direction to take, think about the darkness that Christ experienced. And that will be your source of consolation. That will be your source of joy. Right? As the darkness grows, we have to identify more and more and more with the abandonment that Christ experienced, not just from His incarnation, but throughout His afflictions as He carried the sins of the world on His shoulders and was crucified for us. Mother Teresa wrote, The greater the pain and the greater the darkness, the sweeter will be my smile at God. The greater the pain and the greater the darkness, the sweeter will be my smile at God. And so she learned to love that sense of emptiness. Like, that, that's, that's tough. <laughs> I know that's tough. But if we're faithful, right? If we truly believe that this is the, the path that Christ walked, we'll find Him there, right? And we'll identify with Him in that. And we'll find our joy in that. Sure, as for myself, I just have the joy of having nothing. I have the joy of having nothing. Not even the reality of the presence of God. No prayer, no love, no faith. Nothing but continual pain of longing for God. So, when you have nothing, embrace that nothingness. <laughs> when you have nothing, identify it with the little 
that Christ himself had. And for her, I just have the joy of having nothing. How many of us can say that? I have the joy of having nothing. Why? Because Christ emptied himself and possessed nothing. Right? This is the path that Christ walked. And so I'll just leave you with the instructions that she gave one of the cardinals who asked her for a word of advice. Right? So she said, one of the cardinals asked me to write something for him. I wrote him in my big letters, especially big. She says, I have these big letters for you. Let Jesus use you without consulting you. He said it has brought him peace and joy from that time that I've sent this to him. Let Jesus use you without consulting you. And he said that this is what brought him peace and joy. When we let Christ just use us without consulting us to throw us here or there, to throw us in the darkness, to throw us in the obscurities of life, and we just abandon ourselves into his hands, that faith will set us free. We'll enjoy any place we find ourselves, right? We'll embrace the emptiness, we'll embrace the obscurities, right? We'll learn to just find Him in the ups and the downs in every part of our life. Right? May God give us His grace to find joy in the obscurities and the darkness and the ambiguities of life and to really glorify Him. And to Him is do all glory forever. Amen.